just before we open up uh, God's word this morning, I'd like to again go to the Lord in prayer and um, kind of look back and give thanks uh, for what God did across the highway at the dome for those of us who, who are there and kind of called that home and, uh, and then kind of pray and, and look forward to what the Lord will do. And I'll just say this too. I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like home. It'll take a while <laughs> to, uh, to, to get, kind of get used to this space. But if you want to bow with me, let's praise the Lord for what he has done uh, in our midst. Holy Father, Lord, um, we, we were so blessed to go and worship on the soccer field. Um, I thank you so much, Lord, for the people that you gathered in that time, all the sweet times of fellowship we had on your word, uh, singing songs together, Lord, visiting with one another, seeing our kids run and play. Uh, we, we praise you, Lord, for your faithfulness in that time, that we, we had a place that we could meet, where we could uh, see each other face to face. Lord, we are, we are so blessed, Lord. So I, I just praise you, Lord, how you, how you have built redemption, uh, how you use our time at the Dome, Lord. We're so thankful. I pray you'd bless uh, the Dome there. I pray you'd bless the staff, Lord, that uh, those who know you would go deep in their walk with you. Those who don't would, uh, would see the, the walk of, of other believers there. Lord, that they would be able to reach out to their clients, people who, who, uh, who come in just to maybe train their body, Lord, but they would actually find Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, yeah, you would bless uh, the programs that they run, the things that they do, Lord. And we just thank you so much for the, the chance to worship at, at the Dome. Lord, we thank you for your provision here and now that we, uh, we have another space that we can meet. We can worship on a Sunday morning, Lord, that you've, there's, a, in your kindness, Lord, that there's, uh, a warm building, uh, soft pews, where we can sit and praise your name, Lord. And uh, again, this is your church. Lord, we pray that you would build it as you see fit. I pray that you would use our gathering on Sunday mornings to deepen our faith in you, Lord, to encourage us, to rebuke us where we need it, but that your Holy Spirit would be at work uh, in mighty ways, O oh God, forming Christ in each one of us, Lord, calling people, if they don't know you, uh, to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, all the things that we hope to do and accomplish here in the, in the ministries in the fall, Lord, with a youth ministry, young adults getting together, small groups, uh, men's, women's, doing various things, Lord, uh, we ask that you would go ahead, that you be the one working in our hearts and our lives, oh Lord. Draw us closer to you, closer to each other, oh Lord, and make us a light in this city. Oh God, so we just, we pray uh, every time that we gather here, Lord, we're gathering in your name, uh, and may your purpose be done. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you have a, a Bible, if you'd like to open up to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. We're gonna be in, in Psalm 34 for the next uh, two weeks, kind of looking through it, going over it. There's, there's so much to be said, I didn't wanna just run through it too quickly, so we're gonna be, the next two weeks, looking at Psalm 34, and then after that, we're gonna be starting in the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, really excited to be in that letter, a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, teaching him about church leadership, like how should you build the church, how should you guide the church. And, I, and I'm really uh, excited for us to go into that book, but we're in Psalm 34 for the next uh, two weeks. 
And what I, what I see in Psalm 34 is a testimony. It's a testimony of David. And I don't know if you've ever heard a good testimony. Often we remember testimonies more than we do other things, songs more than testimonies. But testimony of, of David, I don't know if you heard a testimony, you walk away, you're like, you're encouraged, you're challenged, you want to walk closer with the Lord. That's what a good testimony can do, and I believe that's what Psalm 34 does. Uh, it'll encourage us, it'll challenge us, it'll call us closer to God. I hope this morning you'll be able to see that there's a testimony of praise. David starts off in a testimony of deliverance, and then a testimony of God's goodness. That's the first half that we're going to look at this morning, but if you want to stand with me, we'll read Psalm 34 in its entirety, and we'll look at the first 10 verses this morning more in depth. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes, it bo- makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the broken heart and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. So Psalm 34, a testimony of David. A few things just about the psalm, it's an acrostic. It's written to be memorized. In the Hebrew, um, each verse begins with a consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, so making it very easy for memory, right? If you're like A is for apples, B is for bananas, C is for carrots, A, B, C. You can memorize that little phrase really easy, so that's what it was in the Hebrew with beginning of each letter. We don't get that in our English translation, but it's, it's a psalm that was meant to be memorized, right? Scripture was meant to be memorized, and in the Hebrew, they made it easier for those who knew the Hebrew language. Uh, a little a background about this psalm as we go in. I don't know if, if you'll notice in, in your Bibles, if you have next to Psalm 34, a kind of a little explanation about when it was written. We don't always have that often with the psalms, but this one says, of David, King David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Now, as we go through this message, I'm going to be bringing a lot of different uh, scriptures in. You can write them down. I just want to give the background for this. It takes place in 1 Samuel 21, 10 to 15. If you know anything about David, 
Um, so Saul became king. And then Saul, he, he didn't trust in the Lord. He didn't follow his ways. So then it was actually, the crown was supposed to go to David, but David wasn't yet king. Saul still is. Saul is trying to kill David. David's on the run from uh, the king of Israel who's trying to kill him. And as he's running, he ends up in Philistine territory. He leaves the country of Israel and he goes into enemy territory. And there's, this is what happens here. Uh, in 1 Samuel 21, 10 to 15, and David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. You'll just notice the guy's name is Achish and it's not uh, Achimelech. That's said in the Psalm. Achimelech seems to be, or Abimelech, sorry, seems to be a name like you would use like a Caesar for a Roman uh, ruler or a Pharaoh uh, for those in Egypt. So that's why there's that different name change. But he went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achash said to him, is not this David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. This little song that was going around that got David into a lot of trouble. Saul didn't like it very much. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achash, the son of Gath, or the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see, the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adalam. So th that's kind of the background in which David's reflecting and wrote this song. That he was in enemy territory, he pretended to be crazy. He got out alive, and then at some point later on, he's still like running from Saul. He, he, now he's maybe in a more peaceful place, and he reflects, and he writes Psalm 34. Amazing that David thinks as he wrote it, like a testimony to be read, uh, an encouragement to those who would read it, and then, then you'll see an invitation uh, to follow the same God that David does. So I want us to see in verses one to three, David, he first begins with a testimony of praise. A testimony of praise. And just looking at verse one, David begins, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Interesting, like what is this psalm about or who is this psalm about? Well, actually it's about the Lord. Like the word Lord, like Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D, is used 16 times in this psalm. It's used in every verse that we're going to look at this morning. The psalm is actually all about God. And really that's true of our lives. If, if we really knew it, day to day, our lives are actually about God. But this psalm is all about the Lord, as you'll see. Again, so David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Is this not true in David's life? Like how many of the Psalms did David write? I, I had to Google it to get the answer. But I guess he wrote 73 Psalms that are attributed to his name, almost half the Psalms, right? There's 150 Psalms. So he wrote 73 of them. There's other songs, there's other like, uh, prayers that is written about David. So David was continually blessing the name of the Lord. That was what he was about and he was doing it with his lips. His, God's praise was continually in his mouth. 
We can see that even as we're reminded of Psalm 150 we looked at a few weeks ago, begins with praise the Lord, ends with praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. David, like he was doing that to the best of his ability. We see this mentality of, of continually praising the Lord all throughout Scripture. Like, what are the, some of the reasons to praise the Lord? Well, one is found in Psalm 71, verse 6, just in the sense that we are alive. It says Psalm 71, verse 6, Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Like the fact that you are alive is just reason enough to praise the Lord and continue to think of if, if you are here today and you're like, yes, I'm a Christ follower, how much more reason do you have to praise the Lord? You just think about, I shared this passage uh, last week from uh, Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. It says this about those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. What should our, our lives look like? They should overflow with praise, Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And everyone's like, yes, amen, be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be dominated by the Holy Spirit. What does that look like in your life? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another of reverence for Christ. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, being controlled by the Holy Spirit is gonna result in praising him, God continually. I, I hope you can see that. There's another scripture I'd like to bring uh, to your attention. Just thinking of this kind of New Testament way of saying what David said there in Psalm 34, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. This is a good one to memorize. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Can, can we do that? Can we be about that? Just think, rejoice always, or as David says, at all times, I'll bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Just a, a thought here, in order to praise him continually, you must do it sometimes. Right, in order to praise him continually, you must do it sometimes. You gotta start somewhere. Just think, I don't know, throughout your day, it's not that you're like, maybe you're at work, you're in the office, you stop everything, you stand up and you sing a hymn. Like, maybe that's not what's happening, but maybe you're just giving thanks to God, little praises to him. Even actually last night, as we came home from here, I'm driving back on Highway 2, and by Heritage Ranch, there's fireworks going off. I was like, praise the Lord. I love fireworks. I almost crashed looking back at it. <laughs> but just those little, like, thank you, Lord. Like, that's your kindness. That just, like, for a few minutes, fireworks are going off. I'm driving past. You know, thank you, Lord, that something's working out. Or like, you, you know, you're driving and you almost maybe get an accident. He spared you. Or, or you just have a really good meal. Like, thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Just these little praises throughout the day. And again, also, though, if, the, if God does put a, a song in your heart, there's a song we sang this morning or another one, like, sing that throughout the week. His praise should continually be on our lips, but it won't be on our lips continually if it isn't sometimes. We need to start there. And his praise won't continually be in our mouths if he is not the ruler of our hearts. So even this call to praise all throughout is, is a call to surrender. 
Verse two, David goes on, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. I love it, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. I just first know like soul, we have a soul. When, when this life's over, like that's not it. We have a soul that will live forever. We need to remember that. But may, may I soul boast in the Lord. Think about for ourselves, what are other things that we can boast in? Maybe not boasting in the Lord, we can boast in our skills. Maybe do, being really good at something, better than someone else. We can boast in our looks. I want everyone to, to look at me. We can boast in our strength. I love the beauty, though, for anyone who goes to the gym. I, I haven't for years. <laughs> but you go to the gym, you're working out, there's always someone stronger than you. It, do, it doesn't matter. You're like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good today. The next guy comes by, and then he lifts. And you're like, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> Can't boast in your strength. Both in your smarts. There's always someone smarter than you. You can boast, boast in your status, your wealth, where you are. There's so many things that we can boast in. So many things our society says, like, that's good. Make that known. Stand up tall. Draw attention to yourself. But I love David. He boasts. He boasts in the Lord. And again, this is a testimony we see all throughout Scripture. Jeremiah, maybe a well-known Scripture for some. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24 says this. This is what God says. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Just clear teaching like God's like, if you're going to boast about something, boast about knowing me. In the New Testament, I think the Apostle Paul is a great example of this, of, of, of boasting in the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 11, he says a lot there that I'm, I'm not going to reference entirely, but as he's, as he's talking to the people in Corinth, he starts boasting about all the things he's been through, how he's been beaten, how he's been stoned, how he went shipwrecked. This, this is his list of things that he's boasting in, because he says in 2 Corinthians 11, 30, if I must boast, I will boast of things that show my weakness. And he continues to go on, even in, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, talks about this thorn in the flesh he had. We're not sure exactly what it was. Some think it was bad eyesight. Some think it was something spiritual. But there's something that was in Paul's life that constantly kind of kept him humble. But he says this. He quotes Jesus, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He's, but he, Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So that's a little different. Paul's like, I'm gonna boast in my weakness so that anything that happens, Jesus Christ will be glorified. He's the one who has done it. That's the one thing. We wanna boast in God. If we're gonna boast in anything, boast about how weak we are and how amazing God is. Amen? Man, and, and, and Psalm 34, though, says, as, as David talks about boasting in the Lord, my soul makes us boast in the Lord. The second part, let the humble hear and be glad. Let the humble hear and be glad. Like, why would the humble hear and be glad? Why? Because a man or a woman is not receiving the praise. Because God's receiving the praise. And so the humble person's like, yes, that is true. 
Amen. And we can even join in in that. If you're like sitting there and you're hearing someone, they're making much of God, that encourages us. Like we want to hear that. We want to join in as well, making much of who God is. Let the humble hear and be glad. And look at, so the, the outflow or overflow of this testimony of praise in verse three is like an invitation to join in. I love, wherever he's sitting, wherever he's like reflecting, he's praising God, he wants to make much of the Lord. And then his invitation to join in, verse three, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I love it, magnify, make bigger, expand, make great, exalt, glorify, make much of. That's what David wanted to do, ever increasing. Even that, that word magnify reminds me of, of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Individually magnifying the Lord. When she is with, in Luke chapter one, she visits Elizabeth, her cousin who has John the Baptist in, the, in her belly, ready to go. And then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, kind of talks about how Mary's gonna give birth to the Christ. And then Mary's overjoyed. What does she say in Luke 1, 46? Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. and My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I love that Mary would magnify the Lord. And think about all the different reasons we could magnify the Lord, make his name bigger. Psalm 145, verse 3 says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. I love his greatness is unsearchable. Like, so we need to magnify the Lord. Again, you, you see that the testimony of praise turns to an invitation for people to magnify God together. Even that, that's what we've been, that's what we did here on a Sunday morning. As the musicians came up, they weren't like, hey, we're just gonna watch them sing songs. Like, no, they're gonna play music so we could all magnify the Lord together in song. That's what we're doing. If, you know, in the future, if someone's like, why do you go to church on Sunday? Like, why are you getting together? Like, what are you doing? You know, they could be like, I was, I was forced to do it. <laughs> My parents made me do it. Or maybe, maybe a church, like, these are the wrong answers. The, uh, if the church, like, offers this really good program, that, like, that's why we're going. Or maybe there's, there's comfy pews or chairs. We've never been able to say that until today. <laughs> But like, what should you say? Like, why do you get together? Oh, we're getting together to magnify the name of the Lord. We do it individually, but together it's so much louder. And it's so glorious. And even I love it. I don't know about you. This morning I heard, I heard you guys sing, but I heard other people singing. And that was a beautiful thing. Praise the Lord for the dome, but the, at the dome, sound dies. <laughs> so for here to be able to hear this, the praise of, of God's people that we would magnify the Lord together. And so that's what David's doing. He's in, encouraging, inviting other people to do that. So he gave a testimony of praise in verses four to seven. I want us to see a, a testimony of deliverance that he gives. Verse, there's four and verse six, he says something similar. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. In verse six, this poor man cried and the, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. He sought the Lord, he answered him, delivered him from all his fears. That, and that term fears is like actually things that make your knees knock, things that you're terrified of. That's what God delivered him of, things that he was scared of. And you think like how many times that happened in David's life Psalm 31:15 David wrote this 
My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. How many times did David just crowd in a situation? He was scared. He was actually fearful. God, rescue me. God, help me. Just a few examples uh, to think through uh, here this morning. 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 35 You know the this, this story, it's uh, David and Goliath, but before that, where David's like, hey, like, I'll fight Goliath, and Saul's like, who are you? You're just like a little country boy. <laughs> but he, said, he says this, David, because David before, he'd fought lions and bears. First Samuel 17, 34, 35, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. But even as David went after like lions and bears, I think he was scared. For sure, he was fearful. He's going after a wild animal, but see, he's like praying like, Lord, help me. And God delivered him. We see that again. If you continue on that story, David and Goliath, like a nine and a half foot giant, huge, huge armor. David, he had confidence in the Lord, but for sure, I believe he was still full of terror. I believe he was still scared. He went after him. Saul trying to kill him. He's, he's on the run. He's in the country. The king of the country wants him dead, wants everyone against him. He's quickly praying to God, crying out to him. And then even we see here what we read this morning, the Philistine king. And isn't it interesting that he just, David pretended to be crazy. And it's not written down in 1 Samuel, like when did he pray? When did he cry out to God? Was it under his breath as he's pretending to be crazy? Like he tried to still take matters into his own hand as he's crying out to God. And then as he gets out of that situation looking back, he praises God for it. He he's not like, wow, good thing I thought to go cr be crazy. He acknowledges that God's the one who delivered him. And I just, I love it. So it's not like this perfect picture of praying in bad situations. It's like some imperfect prayer happened. David wasn't perfect. His prayer wasn't perfect, but he prayed. I just want you to see that. If we look at like the situation that he's reflecting on in the psalm, like, no, you pretended to be crazy. And then, and then you got out. But then he's looking back. He's like, no, I cried out to God and he heard my prayers. What does David say? I sought the Lord and he answered me, delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord. Friends, we need to seek the Lord with our fears. We, I don't know about you, more often in life, like many things I'm scared of, things I'm unsure of, I need to say like, God, I don't have this, but you do. And it's not that you stop and you just sit back like, God, take it. Like, but like I'm acknowledging I, in my own strength, I can't do this, Lord, you can. And help me. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep doing it. I, I need to pray that more often. Too many times we can go to other places relying on human resources and skills. I believe even in the, in the time we live in, like an unknown future, maybe the, where Canada is at, our economy, we can, we can too often think like, man, if we get the right politician in, in place, man, they can change things. Like, no, we need God. We need to be quicker to pray and still vote, still do what you can, still make your name you know, known, but man, that needs to be our first, our second, our third option. 
that we cry out to the Lord in our fears for our country, our province, our society. Look at David's, the result of, of looking to God, of taking his, his fears to him. And in verse five, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. I love that word. Those who look to him are radiant. What a word. It's used also in, um, in Jeremiah 31.12. And it's used here in Jeremiah 31.12 like as the people returning from exile. The people of Israel sinned against God. God brought judgment upon them, brought them into a different country, Babylon. And they're going to return. That's where this word is, is used. So just knowing that background makes it like, wow, what's being said? 31.12. Jeremiah predicting, they shall come and sing aloud on the heights of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, over the young of the flock and the herd. Their, their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. They are radiant, radiant in the Lord. Those who look to him will be radiant in the Lord. We can look to so many other things. The list could be large. I don't think anyone's ever, like, you know, looked to watch many Netflix shows and been radiant. I, I don't think that's, that's happened. Right? We can look to maybe our favorite sports team. And maybe that one time they won, we're really excited the next time they lost. We're not radiant. We look to a, a, a favorite hobby or a relationship. That doesn't make us radiant. Think about being radiant, and it's not like the fake smiles that people have for selfies. That's not radiant, right? Like, I would love we should take one picture of the way people really are, and then put your smile in, take another. Compare the two. Because that's, that's not radiant. Radiant's like actually beaming, like actually joyful, like a bride and groom on their wedding day. You look at them, there's a glow. And that, that should be us as we look to the Lord. There's a promise to be radiant that we should glow in such ways. From a, from a New Testament perspective, the Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Apostle Paul, first, he has this argument talking about in the Old Testament, Moses, when he went up to see, see God on the mountain, he came down, his face was glowing. And so he would cover it up so the people wouldn't be scared. Then Paul says, but in the New Testament, those who know Jesus Christ, those who have his spirit in them, their face should be glowing and not covered. He says this, now where the Lord is, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's a, a passage to sit in, passage to memorize. Like, really, that's true of the Christian life? As we behold the glory of the Lord, we be transformed from one degree of glory to another? That's our faces will be radiant. The more that you would seek after God, the more you would behold the risen Christ. Oh, friends, would there not be something different about us? Would our faces not be radiant? Now, what, is, what does David say in continuing this, this testimony? He says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Although, again, just think of like the New Testament, like those in Christ, your faces would be radiant and you'd ne never be ashamed. 
Because Jesus has taken our sins, he's taken our wrongdoing, he's taken our shame. The things that we've done in the dark that no one knows about, he's taken, is nailed to the cross. That those who look to him would be radiant and not have shame. So notice this, this kind of transition from David being fearful to radiant. Taking his fears to God and being radiant. And continuing on, this testimony of deliverance, verse seven, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. The angel of the Lord, some commentators think is this, the incarnate Jesus, some seem to think so. I, I wouldn't necessarily land there, but if, if, if he, he is referring to him, like praise God for that. But just thinking of the angel of the Lord appears oft uh, many places in scripture. Appears in Joshua chapter five, verse 13. Joshua, if you know, like Moses died, Joshua is taking the people into the promised land. And as he's going, he sees, well, as they're gonna go take Jericho, he sees the angel of the Lord. And Joshua says, are you like for us or against us? He's like, neither. And Joshua bows down and, 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 and seems to worship the place's holy ground. Other places we see the angel of the Lord or angels of the Lord appear. I just wanna draw your attention to a few places. Uh, in 2 Kings 6, 15, there's this story. On two stories in 2 Kings, thinking about the angel Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. So 2 Kings 6, uh, 13, what's happening here? The prophet Elijah uh, is, is kind of the prophet, and he's telling the king of Israel when troops are coming from Syria, where they're gonna be, when they're gonna be. And the king of Syria is getting so mad. He's like, we gotta go kill this prophet. And so he finds out where Elisha is and he sends this, this huge army. In verse, verse 13 it says, go and, oh sorry, verse 14. So he sent their horses and chariots in a great army and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city and the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Another example in 2 Kings 19.35. This is later on in, in, in Israel's history. King Hezekiah is the king. And Assyria, the strongest nation at the time, is knocking on the door. And they're besieging Jerusalem. And they're mocking Yahweh. They're mocking God. Like, we're going to destroy this place. And then Hezekiah cries out to the Lord, like, have mercy. And Isaiah says, your prayers have been answered. And then this happens. So this vast army of the strongest army at the time, 2 Kings 19.35, and that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Syrians. When the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. This, this, like, so actually, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear them, fears him and delivers them. I think we can, we can actually see that this literally happens at time. God protects those who fear him, those who follow him. I think it's a good scripture to memorize. Psalm 34, verse seven. 
Like if, if you're dealing with fear, you're dealing with anxiety, it's good like, oh no, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear God. And he protects them. I, this, this is actually a scripture that I've had. I don't know if every times you've been uh, doing life and you just felt like darkness. And I use darkness talking about like spiritual darkness. Sometimes like preparing to preach. Yeah, you're going to preach God's word. So like wake up in the middle of the night and just like a heaviness, a darkness. And I'll pray and I'll start maybe sing some praises to the Lord. But I love Psalm 34 verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. And I'll, I'll say it. It's like, yes, amen. God's angels are with me. Take away the fear. As in fear, terror. But put the, the trust in the Lord. So we see David's testimony of God's deliverance. David was literally in a place where he could be killed and he left alive. He cried out to God and God delivered him. I, I pray for, for all of us that as we face the battles in our culture, attack on marriage, sexuality, truth, that we can turn our fears, our anxieties concerning our world and its course towards God to prayer for deliverance. Like, just crying out to the Lord. Have, have mercy, maybe even just for your family. Have mercy on the, on the next generation. Taking our fears, our anxieties to him. Lord, will you deliver us? Will you, will you be faithful? And he will as we trust in him, as we look to him. So he saw the, a testimony of praise, a testimony of deliverance. And then I want you to see in verses 8 to 10, David's testimony of God's goodness. In, in verse 8 of Psalm 34, well-known verse, David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Just thinking, I don't know about you, but trying to get our kids to eat sometimes. You're like, just, I shouldn't use them. They're in the service. Getting other kids to eat sometimes. You're like, it's really good. Just try a bite. Right? But, uh, but I'm thinking like the food analogy that though David's using it, it's not strong enough. Because we're talking about God here. We're not talking about like just try a little bit. It's like know and experience God. Like taste and see. Like that's what David's saying. In response to his testimony of deliverance, there's an invitation to experience God's goodness. You should just think like, well, what, what, why is God good? Think about how, just one, God gives us life. The ability to be alive, to breathe air. Our heart beats. Like, is anyone thinking about each beat? Okay, one more, one more. Like, guys, we're not good at multitasking. Imagine if we had to, like, each beat, someone talks to us, it's over. <laughs> but think about it, none of us do. Like, God gives us the ability, our heart beats, our airs. Our lungs breathe air. Like we're thinking about none of this. That's God's goodness to us. God's provision for us. In the Lord's prayer, like Father, give us this day our daily bread. God provides what we need. He puts food on our table. You think of how God brings the rain. On the unrighteous and the righteous, he brings the sun. The crops grow. We get to eat of the food. God's goodness towards us. And then you think of, of God's goodness towards us in his mercy and his grace. 
That, that God is holy, he is righteous, he is perfect, and we are not. We're actually rebellious, we're sinners. We, all, we, we run from him, our natural tendency is to shake our fist at God than to turn towards him. But in God's mercy and in kindness, right, he sent Jesus Christ to pay for our sins and to die in our place. That though our sin separates us from him, our sin is paid for in Jesus Christ and everyone who puts their faith and trust in him is forgiven. God's goodness. Taste and see God's goodness. That we can have a relationship with God. God is good. It's like taste and see or hear and surrender. If you can hear and see how good God is and you're like, but I'm so far from him, then you need to look to Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in him. Be forgiven. Amen. I was agreeing with my own statement there. I don't know. Oh, friends, I just, as I read that verse, I just get excited. Taste and see. It's like I want to invite people to, like, come and magnify the name of the Lord with me. He continues, verses 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Fear the Lord. We already talked about the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, like having reverence and respect, but it's more than that. It's that God is in heaven and we are not. That God is God and we are not. You know, the Lord's prayer begins with, hallowed be your name. Like your name be reverence. Should give a, a holy fear of him. That's, that's the beginning of wisdom. And that's the angel of the Lord dwells among those people. And the result of fearing the Lord, having no lack. Other translations, no want. Having all you need. Psalm 23, 1, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. We'll lack no good thing. Just think about, like, we have what we need. And again, like highlighting need. Our, our culture will say, but you need to have what you want. But in God, we have what we need. Food, clothing, shelter. We're, we're blessed. We are blessed. Continuing on this example, David writes, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Even young lions suffer want and hunger. I don't know if anyone has ever watched like the nature shows and you, you watch the lions on the hunt, and they're maybe trying to at attack some gazelle or whatever. I don't know if you've ever seen it, and there's like certain music that gets you into it, but sometimes the lion, they miss. They surprise their prey, and they run away, and they're tired, and they're exhausted. So I, I don't know, we even get a, because of our technology, get to see that happen at times, but that's not what happens. For those who seek the Lord, they lack no good thing. This is a promise in Scripture. Those who seek the Lord. Do you seek him? Do you know him? Is God your all in all? Do you see the testimony of God and also the invitation to join him here in this psalm? I want to look again at verse 8, more thinking through the lens of our faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 2, verse 12, a psalm that's all about the Messiah, all about Jesus Christ, quoted, quoted in the New Testament in many places. It ends with this. 
Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in Jesus Christ. How you take refuge in him is by putting your faith and trust in him, by believing in him. Charles Spurgeon said this, faith is the soul's taste. They who test the Lord by their confidence always find him good and they themselves blessed. So just just a word for those who have already tasted and know that God is good. Peter, in 1 Peter, uses this language to refer to Christians. In 1 Peter 2, 2 to 3, talking about those who have been born again, those who have been made new by the blood of Jesus Christ, he says this in 2 Peter 2, 2 to 3, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Peter takes what David said and talks about, if you tasted that the Lord is good, okay, you're a Christian. You've put your faith and trust in Christ, and if you tasted that the Lord is good, then grow up in your salvation. You've been forgiven. You have his provision. Physically, spiritually, we have the Holy Spirit that God is enough. But there's a call that Peter has looking at that psalm, grow up, grow up in your faith, grow into maturity. Friends, that's our desire here at our church, that every single person would grow into spiritual maturity. It's not enough like, yeah, okay, yes, I know Jesus, I believed in him in the past. Are you growing deeper with him? Are you loving him more? Are you magnifying his name with other believers? Are you boasting in the Lord? Are you boasting about him to others? So one of the the ways in turn, we want to see everyone grow into spiritual maturity, so we want to have a clear path of discipleship. One of those signs over there, I don't know if you saw it, redemption life. We want to see every believer abide in Christ, grow in the church, and reach your community. Reach your community would be like boasting about the Lord to others. We see that when David did this, he wouldn't define it that way, but he had a testimony and an invitation. A testimony invitation. I just question, what is your story? What is your testimony? Like, what has God done in your life? And in terms of story, everyone has a story. And in fact, stories are easier to share with people, and people are easier to listen to stories. Let me, let me just tell you something about what happened in my life. People are, like, are, are all ears to listen. When I'm talking about sharing your testimony, your story, I'm talking about what's your story in Jesus Christ? And just think quite simply, and just keep it simple, like three parts. Like one is, what was life like before you knew Christ? And keep that simple. For some people who have like a rougher background, you don't need to go into the details, but just like I was away from the Lord, I made these mistakes. Or some people, praise God, if you like, you grew up in a Christian home, you're like, I don't know, at a very young age I believed in him. Like that's such a wonderful testimony. But you're like, okay, what was kind of life like before? And then how did you come to know Jesus? What did that look like? What, what did you pray? What's happening in your life? And you're like, and then how, you surrendered to him, you believed in him, you prayed to him before Christ, kind of accepting Christ, and then after Christ. Like, how has he changed your life? So what? Just a, just a brief story, brief testimony. So friends, that's what... All I've done, like this is how quick I do it, and sometimes you can, you can, who you're talking to, it can be more longer and drawn out. You know, as we came right into people, like, oh yeah, I'm, we're planting a new church in Red Deer. 
I grew up in Red Deer and got into a lot of trouble as a young person. I surrendered my life to Jesus, and he drastically changed my life. I just put it out there. People can, oh, that's interesting. How about the weather? They can, they can take it and go somewhere else, or they're like, what? Like, tell me more. Just a, a testimony to what God has done in our lives. So I would just encourage you, like, what's your testimony? Just think of David's testimony of deliverance and his testimony of God's goodness. Like, if we're sharing the same, like, this is what God delivered me from. This is how good God is. That's how you, that's how you reach out to people and encourage them to come and magnify the name of the Lord. We're not, we're not saying, hey, people who don't know God at all, come magnify the name of the Lord. Like, no, let me tell you about how it's delivered from sin, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about how good God is. If you're like, yes, yes, you're like, then come and let's magnify the, the name of the Lord together. So I, I encourage you in landing this message in the days, weeks, months ahead, pray, look, and share your testimony. Pray, look, and share. And I'm, and I'm not, like, we want to keep telling more people about who Jesus is, give the, the gospel in its entirety, but, like, that can be an opportunity to continue to share more. So friends, I pray that this can be true of us, that we can proclaim this, that we can call people to this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. Will you bow with me as I close this, this time in prayer? Oh Lord, I pray that uh, you are honored. And what was said, I pray, Lord, that which is from you, I pray you would seal uh, that word in our hearts. That which wasn't, I pray we would just forget about. Oh Lord, help us by your spirit to boast in you, to magnify your name, uh, to share our testimony, your, your testimony in our lives of what you've done, Lord. So seal this word in our hearts and I pray you give us eyes to see, Lord, those around us who we can, who we can share with uh, of what you've done. And I pray you'd use that to make your name known. In Jesus' name, amen.